good to see you guys here this morning. I wanted to start and begin our time together today by, by teaching you something that I learned during my time in the Marine Corps. Um, so in, in the Marines, as, as you might well know, we, uh, we, we train in these, these extreme situations because what the last thing that anybody wants out of a Marine is to find yourself in a wartime situation where, where everything is tense and everything is stressful and for that person then to, to freak out or become completely overwhelmed by the situation that they're in. And so uh, boot camp for us, our additional combat training after that um, are all designed to kind of help beat that out of you. Uh, you can call it brainwashing. Uh, that would probably be accurate. Uh, but we, um, so what they would do to, 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 to kind of help us with that is they would, um, they give us kind of like these chants, these things to, to repeat to ourselves. Uh, Pastor Jonah often here will tell us that when we, when we sing these songs that we're singing, that we're like preaching to ourselves, and that's very true. And so the Marine Corps uses a similar tactic in our training. They have us repeat things over and over and over, usually at the top of our lungs, uh, so that it kind of gets drilled into our psyche, right? And so one of the things, one of the, 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 the uh, let's call it a mantra. I don't know what else to call it. I don't have a better definition or a better term to use. One of the, one of the mantras of, of the Marines is improvise, adapt, and overcome. Now, I've been out of the Marine Corps for, um, for, for 20 years, and I've been out for 20 years. And still, in my daily life today, when I, when, when the, uh, when the defecation hits the oscillation, y'all tracking? When, when, when stuff just isn't going right, when everything seems to be falling apart, in my head, I hear myself say, improvise, adapt, overcome. Imp like, and like, I'm like, and it's kind of like my, my rallying crowd. Like, I'm kind of like jacking myself up, getting myself all jazzed up to go and, and tackle some difficult situation or circumstance. Now, for anything that the Marine Corps gets right, I believe God gets it more right. That there is nothing more profound, nothing more helpful, nothing more inspiring and encouraging than the truths that we find in Scripture. And, and so as I was uh, looking through our, our, our content for today and thinking through what we wanted to teach, and we're in this series called Harvesting Healthy Habits, we wanted to offer something to, to, to everybody that, that, that shows up, everybody that's watching online, either right now live or is going to watch this later. We wanted, we wanted to give you something to, to help with, with anxiety. We wanted to, to put a, a tool or a habit into your, 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 your tool pouch for how to avoid or overcome anxiety. And so I thought, what, what better way to do that and to give you a mantra, a three-word, almost the same, almost like the same thing that I learned in the marriage, something very similar, but rooted. And we don't believe in mantras in the Christian. Like we're not, we're not like we're not one of those. We don't believe in those things so much, like like you know some other faiths and religions and that kind of deal. But if, if there was something that I could, that we could just put into our heads to maybe recite to ourselves when we find ourselves in difficult situations, something that would help. And so I want to give you today. A, uh, a three word, I'm gonna call it a mantra only because my vocabulary fails me, all right? Uh, but 
Here, and here's the other thing. All three of them begin with the letter A. I, I know y'all don't care, but as like a cheesy Baptist preacher, I get all jacked up and excited when my points either rhyme or they're all alliterated. And so today I got three words to give you and they all start with the letter A. I was really proud of myself. I want you to be proud of me too, but maybe it'll help us to remember it as well. So we're going to look at those um, all through the context of, of three verses in the book of Philippians. Uh, we'll get there in a minute, but before we're gonna start in verse 11, but before we get there, I wanna give you just a little bit of context, a little bit of, of help and understanding what's going on as Paul writes our, our focus text for today, which is gonna be 11 through 13. So here's, what Paul, here's what's going on with, with Paul and the church at Philippi. Paul had a, a very, very close and personal relationship with the people in the city of Philippi. We talked about this when we studied through the book of Philippians, that Paul had really close personal friends who were in the church at Philippi. Philippi Philippi was the first church that Paul planted on the continent of Europe. It was the first church planted in that region. And so it was very near and dear to him. And the people there had a lot of love for Paul. Numerous times throughout Paul's missionary journeys throughout the ancient Near East and the the continent of Europe and everywhere else that Paul traveled by that he could get to, either by foot or by boat or whatever, every place that Paul went, the, the church at Philippi was a huge supporter of Paul, not just in spirit, but also financially. They would regularly support him financially. And so apparently, just based on what we can, we can garner from the, the context of the letter, there, there's been a gap in, of time where Paul hasn't received any support from the church at Philippi. And then he, and he tells us, I know, I know that that's not because you didn't want to support me. There just hasn't been an opportunity for you to be able to do that. There hasn't been a way for you to, to make that correspondence or whatever. So he's like, he's, he tells them, I know that you, that you wanna help, but you haven't been able to help and I understand all of that. And then he goes on to tell them, as much as I appreciate your help, I don't want you to ever feel like I had to have it because my, my resource and my sufficiency doesn't rest or lie in the gift and the support that I receive from you. And he's drawing their attention and, their, and, and by, by that, ours as well, into the sufficiency that we have in a relationship with Christ. So this is what's going on. Paul is writing them. He's like, I know you wanted to help, but you haven't been able to help. And as much as I appreciate your help and I'm grateful for your help, I don't want you to ever think that I need any help other than Christ because he is the all sufficient provider for everything that's going on. Now, sometimes Paul or sometimes God uses people as a vessel and a means to support and encourage and help other people. And Paul recognizes that as well. But he wants to be very, very careful for them and for us to make sure that we understand that every good thing, this is recorded for us elsewhere in scripture, that all good and perfect things in the book of James comes from our heavenly father, who's a good father to us, who likes to give good gifts to his children. That every good thing that we get comes from God. And so Paul is saying, look, I, I know you wanna help, but I'm just telling you, like even if you don't, God's got me. That's the framework for what Paul is gonna lay out for, for them and for us. And I believe that if we can understand this same principle of everything that we need is provided, everything that we, that we desire or need, we have access to in a relationship with God. If we can own that, if we can understand that, if we can internalize that, 
I believe that we're gonna watch the anxiety in our lives just dissipate and fade away. And so that's the context for what Paul is, is writing. That's, all of that is in uh, throughout the letter, but specifically coming down into verse 10. And then Paul says this, Philippians chapter four, verse 11. Paul is saying, like, I know you wanted to help. You didn't have to help. However, I don't want you to think that it was necessary. In, in the South, we would say, you didn't have to go and do all that. That's what Paul is saying, right? So Paul said, you didn't have to go and do all that. And then he gives us this verse. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I have learned, that's an important term in this verse. I've, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul says, I've, I've learned. There's something that I didn't know that now I do know. And he's gonna flesh that out for us in the next couple of verses, but let's, let's hold it for, for just a moment. Paul says, in whatever situation. What, what I've noticed in the, the practice of, I've done it, I've seen it, heard it, and experienced in the lives of people close to me as well, is that there's a, there's a propensity in our lives, there's a, there's a tendency when we find ourselves in a difficult season or a difficult situation or in a place that's just hard to manage, that we spend probably an inordinate amount of time just relenting of the situation that we're in. We're not, there's, there's no forward motion, there's no, there's no, op, there's no um, effort to try and fix or correct, it's just a, I hate where I'm at right now. I hate that things are the way that they are. I hate this. I'm sad. I'm frustrated. I'm upset. And then we just, we just tend to wallow, don't we? Has anybody, anybody other than me ever done this? Like things are, everything around me falling to pieces. And instead of doing anything about it, I just sit pity party. That, that's, that's what, it's a pity party. We just sit and kind of sulk in the situation that we found ourselves in. And, there's, and in that, there's a discontent. And we learned a little bit about this last week, that anytime we, anytime we find ourselves in a place where we don't have something we think we should, last week we, we talked about it in terms of comparison, but it's true in any situation. Every time I look at my situation and have this woe is me, pity party, wallow in it kind of moment, what I'm essentially saying to God is you've made a mistake somewhere. There was something I was supposed to get, something that was supposed to happen for me, something that was supposed to, 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 be, to work in my favor that didn't happen. God, you've messed up. And for every follower of Christ in the room or watching at home online, we know God doesn't make mistakes. But when we, when we, we allow ourselves to just kind of sit and, and sour over our situation. We've, we've pointed a finger at God and said, I, I don't deserve to be here and I shouldn't be here. You've messed up somewhere. So with that, the first word in our mantra of avoiding anxiety is this. We gotta learn to accept it. Contentment and acceptance are nearly synonymous. They almost mean the same thing. Nothing that has befallen us has caught God off guard. 
Nothing has happened outside of his scope of knowledge or allowance. So kind of the sub point for this, sub point for, for this first word in our phrase is this thought, and you can write this down if you're a note taker. Circumstances are the arena of spiritual growth. This is where God shapes us and forms us in, in, in whatever circumstances, in the great, in the great circumstances, we have all this opportunity to praise and to celebrate and to give God all the glory for the good things that he's provided. And in the not so great, we have an opportunity to see just how far God's strength can carry us and just how much we can endure. We learn to trust, grow and endure the, the pruning of how God is shaping our perspective and faith. Paul says, Paul says I had to learn this. This isn't something that I, that I know intuitively, this contentment. It's something that I, that I had to learn because it's the circumstances in which we find ourselves that teach us how to depend on God if we can, if we can find the faith in the moment to trust him. Contentment is learned through our experiences. If you never encounter difficulty, you never know how to manage life when difficult times come. It's the difficult times that teach us what a dependence on God. Look, it gives us opportunity to learn ways to depend on God that we didn't even know were possible before we found ourselves. I mean, come on, we've all met people who've had everything handed to them in their life. They're weak. They don't know how to manage difficulty. They don't know how to deal with stress. It's the experiences that teach us that. James had a similar thought. He penned these words in the first chapter of the book that we call James in the verses two through four. James said this way, he said, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Joy and trials aren't usually that's not usually the response, right, to trials is joy. But, but, but James says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Your experiences, particularly the difficult ones, are working to build a complete you. And James says, if we, don't, if, if, we don't in, if we don't endure those, if we don't, we should count it joy when we have difficult trials because they're producing something in us. They're producing a completeness that is God shaping and molding us to what he would have us to be. So Paul says that I've learned this contentment. And he goes on to kind of to flesh that out a little bit further. Verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I've learned a secret. We're gonna to get to the secret in a minute. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul says he's learned a secret of how to roll with the punches. 
That there's a method to enduring that the hills and the valleys of life, the ebbs and the flows, the highs and the lows. Paul says, man, I've, I've figured out how to be pretty steady throughout all of it. I, I, I know how to, now because of, because of this secret that I'm about to tell y'all, I know, how to, I know how to live when I'm high and I know how to live when it's low. I know how to do all of these things because I've, I've learned to do this thing. And this is the second term in our avoiding anxiety mantra. Here it is. We've got to learn to adapt. Your perspective and your mentality changes from when things are great and when things are not. Always with a focus on God. I, um, I grabbed this from one of the workout rooms here at the Y and uh, I got the really skinny thin one because I wasn't trying to work out up here this morning. But, but Paul is saying that when Man, when life is high, when God is stretching us and things are great and we're stretched to like, we just can't feel like we can take any more joy. That's, that's awesome. Like we, there, there's a way that we should behave and a perspective that we should have when things are as high as they'll ever be. But if I could stretch this from the high, but when, when we're being pulled down low, when we're being stretched from the high and stretched to the low, when we'll we be stretched to the left and stretched to the right. Do you know what's, what's consistent about every time that something stretches? If there's, a, there's a point from which it's pulled. That there's a, there's a point of origin for the stretch, right? When, 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 I, when I lift the, the rubber band up, the, the point of pull is from the floor. When I, when, if, if I was high and being pulled low, there's a point of origin from which the, the thing that is stretching is being pulled. And so Paul is saying that whenever I am stretched in the highs and in the lows, there's a point of the point of origin of pull for me is always my relationship with my heavenly father. That, that when I get stretched high, I, it's all glory to God because I know that all good things and all provision and blessing come from him. And when I'm being pulled low, my point of origin is to look to the heavenly father from where my strength comes. It doesn't matter in which direction that I get pulled or stretched. The point of origin for me is always my relationship with God. Paul says there's a, there's a secret to this. That I have a choice to make. When I'm presented with this, this anxiousness that, that, that wells up in me. I don't know if you guys, are, how familiar you are with the book of Philippians, but the, the, the natural tendency for preachers like me when we're going to talk about anxiety is to go to verses 4 through 7 in chapter 4. When we talk about the peace of God that transcends all understanding, that cast all your care, pray and the, the, the petition God and that the peace of God that transcends understanding will, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Like that's the, that's the text we normally go to when we go, when we talk about anxiety. But this is, this is just a few verses after that. And Paul's saying, that, like, yeah, peace of God is, is fantastic, but there's a, there's a method to this, that when we're being stretched, we have a choice to make. When we're being stretched high or stretched low. And that choice is faith or fear. When, when, when anxiousness sets in, when difficult seasons find their way into our lives, we've got a choice to make about the, the impending outcome. You can have faith or you can have fear. Here's the thing about faith and fear. You can write this down. Faith and fear are both responses to something that hasn't happened yet. Think about that. When, when you're anxious about what you believe is about to happen or something's coming or, or when the walls feel like they're closing in, 
You, you feel as though something is about to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. You have a decision to make because faith, you, have this, you can choose faith and believe that, that God is and all, it has the ability to provide in his sufficiency all that you need for that thing that's coming. Or you can just allow yourself to sink deeper into fear, to allow the, the anxiety to take root and be deep-seated fear. Faith and fear are, are both concerning something that hasn't happened yet. We have a choice to make. And we adapt. When, when, when we're high, we celebrate. When we're low, we look to the, the, the finisher of our faith, the provider, our Heavenly Father who, who comes to, to comfort and to lead and to guide. We adapt. And then Paul in the next verse gives us, he gives us the secret. So up to this point, Paul says, look, I have to learn. I had to learn to accept my situation, be content in it, that I'm here because there's something that God wants to accomplish. And then based on what it is that God is trying to accomplish in and through me, I'm going to adapt my mentality and my perspective and my focus to be able to either celebrate God in it or endure with God through it. So I accept it. I adapt to it. And then Paul says, and then here's the secret. Here's the secret. And it's the most, this is the most mis, one of the most misused verses in all of scripture. I rarely teach from it. And if I do, it's usually just to tell people why they're wrong. That's, that's about the only way that I ever teach Philippians 4.13 is to tell you how people are, are interpreting it wrong. It gets used so often as the champion's cry. I, I'm a winner because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And I believe that Paul intended it for almost the exact opposite reason. But he says this, don't stop me even if you've heard it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Nothing gets me too high because I know that it's God that gives the increase. And nothing tears me down too far because it's God that holds me up. In every situation, not just when I'm winning, but when I'm losing and when I'm anxious and when I've let fear creep in and when I feel like the walls are closing in, I can still do all things because it's him that strengthens me. So the third phrase in our avoiding anxiety mantra is acknowledge. I acknowledge. God, I didn't get here on my own. I can't get out of this on my own. All the things that I do, good, bad, success or fail, there's no situation that I can find myself in that I can't overcome because of the strength that God gives. It's him, it's not me. The sub point for our last word is this. Anxiety disappears when our strength in Christ informs 
every situation. Greater is he that is in me than is in the world. Greater is he that is in me than any situation that I'll find myself in. And if I'm experiencing goodness and provision to God be the glory because it's he that gives the increase. But if I find myself in difficulty and in trial and in hardship and in a, in, in, in a season that I, that I hate, to God be the glory because he's using that season and that situation to shape and grow and strengthen me in him. So that completes the avoiding anxiety mantra. We accept, we adapt, and we acknowledge. God, I'm here because you wanna use it. I'm content. Maybe it's not what I have chosen. God, you're smarter, you're better, you're bigger, and you're holier than me. So if I'm here, it's because you, you, you needed me to be or there's something that you wanna use this situation to teach me. I accept it. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to be content. I don't have to like it. You don't have to like it to be content. You just have to accept it. It, one of my favorite phrases, it is what it is. It, I can't worrying about it, being anxious about it, doesn't, God, I just accept it. And if it's, if it's a great time, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna celebrate. If it's not, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna look to you for strength. I'm gonna adapt. I'm gonna change my focus to keep God in the center. If you're stretching me high, you're gonna be the point of pull. If you're, if you're stretching me to the right, you're gonna be the point of my pull. If you're stretching me to the left, you're gonna be the point of my pull. God, my origin is you. And so if I go high, then I'll celebrate. If I go low, God, I'll, I'll, I'll look to you for strength. It doesn't matter what's going on, God. It's still all about you. Because here's the secret. God, if you're not in any of it, I can't get through it because it's your strength. Because I, all things are done in the strength that he provides. So I thought, that it would be appropriate if this is gonna be our avoiding anxiety mantra. I think we ought to say it together, like the Marines. I know for some of you other, I'm looking at Jake and a couple of Darren and all your other branches, y'all don't even know, Shane. We all try your best to be Marines, all right, just try. All right, so to avoid anxiety, what do we do? Accept, adapt, acknowledge. What do we do? Accept, adapt, acknowledge. One more time, accept, adapt, acknowledge. Look, God, if I'm here, you got me here for a reason. I'll change how I respond that keeps me faithful to you because I acknowledge and I recognize that God, nothing I'm not gonna get myself out of anything without your help and I'm not gonna, I have nothing to celebrate that you didn't provide me the ability to be successful in. Hoorah. <laughs> I, I accept it. I'll adapt to the best that I'm able to keep my eyes fixed on you because I acknowledge that it's all for you, by you, to you. 
so that you get the glory because you're worthy of it. If we can maintain that kind of perspective, you're gonna watch the anxiety from your life fade. One of my, my favorite hymns um, is, uh, is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. It's my favorite hymn. And I love the chorus that says when we, we turn our eyes on Jesus and we look full in his face, that the things of the world grow strangely dim. And it's so true. To just watch the glimmer of this world fade in comparison to the glory of Christ. If you battle and struggle with anxiety, fix your eyes on Jesus and watch the worries of the world fade. He didn't call us to be anxious. As a matter of fact, in just those verses, a few verses prior to the ones that read, he says that we should be anxious for nothing because of our dependency on Christ. It's his sufficiency, his strength and his power that allows us to live lives void of anxiety. And here's how you do it. You accept, you adapt, and you acknowledge. Let's pray. God, our Father, I know that in this room or behind a screen somewhere not physically present with us are some of your children who in this very moment, as much as they're trying to focus on what I'm saying, what your word says, God, in the, in the back of their mind, they are worried sick about a situation that they know was waiting for them. Maybe even the moment that they walk out of this place or turn off this video. And there's an anxiousness that weighs heavy on their heart and in their mind. And Father, I know that the, the stuff that I've, I've said today and the, the, the examples that Paul gives and the way that Paul talks about his, his commitment and his connection and his understanding of your sufficiency, God, it, it sounds really good when we read it. Sounds good and encouraging when we chant it as a crowd together. But God, it's, it's really hard to live it out and apply it to our lives. So Holy Spirit, would you help us? We need you who lives in us to help us live this out. Would you help us to be content with where we find ourselves? Even if it's a situation that we would have never chosen in a million years for ourselves, would you help us find the faith to trust that would result in the peace of our situation or peace regarding our situation?
Holy Spirit, would you help us to stay humble when it feels like we're winning and killing it and succeeding and doing all the right things? Would you keep us humble? Would you, would you remind us to give all glory to our heavenly Father from whom all good things come? And when life hits and hurts, would you help us to fix our eyes on the only one who can provide the strength we need to get through it? And would you give us the patience to endure? Would you give us the steadfastness that James talks about to, to stay the course, to view our difficult situations, our trials as things to be valued? And then would you help us, Holy Spirit, to acknowledge God in every situation, whether we are brought high or brought low, we know that our strength, our ability to make it through every situation is directly applied to us through the strength of our heavenly Father and our relationship with him through Jesus, his son. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you offered on our behalf that we could have access to the strength of our Father. Would you help us now to live like we know that is true? And we give you all the glory and all the praise. And we do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 